Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And we are approaching that time of year, that glorious time of year of the Great Fast, the bright sadness. Now, before we get there, though, as usual, in fine Eastern Christian style, we move through that all-important rhythm of life. In other words, think of it as kind of a bell curve or an S-curve turned on its side. The rising action, then the climactic part of it, then the falling action and resolution only to be repeated again and again. So we have preparatory Sundays leading up to the Great Fast, and today is the Sunday of the Publican and the Pharisee. But before we get to that, I just want to say hello to somebody. His name is David. David is serving time in prison, and we're very honored and touched, and, and quite frankly and honestly, surprised, as only God can do, that Light of the East has developed such a prison ministry. To be honest with you, I never would have predicted that, but many have written to me from prison. You listen to our program it's brought into your lives, and I'm thankful for that and honored by that and very, very honored and touched by your beautiful letters that many of you send to me while you are serving your penance on earth. You are actually, in a certain sense, in a process of purgation, if you can think of it that way. It's always about working out our salvation, our process of divinization, whatever way we all have to do it, our own unique way. But that's the point of it, divinization, ongoing growth into the image and likeness of God, into our best and truest selves. But David writes to me a little bit about his history and his experience in prison, and he has had conversion experiences, and he has embraced Eastern Christianity by way of the Orthodox Church. And he does come up for parole in a few years, he said, and he hopes to enter a monastery and live out in a fuller way what actually has been part of his experience in these last years of his life, actually, being in jail being in prison, does provide an opportunity to do something that is, in a sense, monastic. I mean, you live in a cell, and there is time for reflection, for repentance, for prayer, living a life of repentance. And that's what monasticism is, one of the reasons they wear black. It's a sign of their ongoing perpetual repentance, the state of repentance, which, like the fast, that's why we call it the great fast, the great bright sadness, repentance is not a negative thing. Yeah, there's a painful part of it, but it's also a joyful thing because of the growth. It's like a, 
it's like a door that's opening into our soul little by little and as if we're in a dark room and that door is opening and more and more light is coming in. So although we're in the darkness, as we open that door more and more, the light comes in, we become more and more joyful, more and more happy, more and more true to ourselves, the God that, the person that God intended us to become. So David is hoping to embrace monasticism. If indeed he does get out of prison when his parole comes up, he said in a few years, but he also does something very interesting. He makes the Jesus prayer ropes, the so-called chutki. And he said he sends them all around the country. Well, David, we could use your prayer ropes here at Light of the East. So feel free to send them along to us. And the address would be Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That is the address of the Center for Light of the East. So David, we do welcome your prayer rope. So you asked me in there if I could use any, and I certainly can. So our prayers are with you, David. And David, I want to thank you for writing to me and sharing your, your story with us. Please pray for us. So David is on his journey. We're all on our journey. But you are going to go on another journey. You're going to go with me. That's right. Mark your calendars for October 21st to the 30th of this year, 2014. You and I are going on the Orientali Lumen Pilgrimage. Orientali Lumen, of course, means Light of the East. That's where you get the name of this program. And Light of the East comes from Orientali Lumen, which comes from Pope John Paul II's marvelous letter, his apostolic letter of 1995, Light of the East. This Orientali Lumen Pilgrimage is based upon the Orientali Lumen Conferences, which are held each year by our good friend here at Light of the East, Jack Fiegel from Eastern Christian Publications. And he and I will be heading up a pilgrimage to Rome and Istanbul. Join us. We're going to celebrate the canonization of Popes John Paul II and John XXIII. Now, this will not only be a celebration of their sainthood, and very historic, but also an experience of the church breathing with both lungs, east and west, which, of course, is what this program is about. The Basilica of St. Peter, the great Byzantine Church of Holy Wisdom, in other words, Hagia Sophia, ancient Rome, the Sistine Chapel, the mosaics, the icons, are just some of the highlights of this trip. And also, there's a very good chance very good chance, we're going to meet the ecumenical patriarch, His All Holiness, Patriarch Bartholomew, one of the leading figures, if not the leading figures, of all of the Orthodox churches. And he is in Istanbul at the what they call a fanar. That's the Orthodox version of the Vatican. And Istanbul, of course, originally was Constantinople. And before that, it was Byzantium. And we will also attend the audience, the people audiences of Pope Francis. So what we're going to do is we're going to visit the great ancient centers of both lungs of the church in the west, Rome, and the east, Istanbul. I like to always call it Constantinople. In fact, you'll find me slipping into that all the time, just sort of automatically. I notice that a lot of my priest friends are that same way, because we have immersed ourselves in this Eastern spirituality and we study it. We just can't call Istanbul anything else but Constantinople. Yes, we do technically correctly call it Istanbul right now, but somehow it'll always be Constantinople to us. That was where the Byzantine church was birthed under Constantine and eventually spread into the Slavic lands, which, of course, is my heritage and the heritage of my particular church, the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church. So Constantinople is very, very significant to me and for many priests, laity, and clergy in the Eastern churches. So you're going to visit Constantinople or Istanbul. You're going to see a lot of fascinating things. You're going to experience a church like you've never experienced it before, I guarantee you. If you've been to these cities before, I urge you to come on this trip again. Save up for it. Pray about it. 
I really, really want you to come with me. I want to take you by the hand and I want to show you the church as I see it, as I experience it, both lungs of the church. Not just me, but it is a very personal thing. As you've listened to me, perhaps over the years, or if you're just new listeners, whatever, I want to share with you what my experience of church is, the church breathing with both lungs. These ancient cities, Rome and Constantinople, they're enchanting, they're ancient, they're beautiful, they're mysterious. It's an immersion into the scripture. It's immersion to history. It all comes alive. There's nothing like it, and especially the way that we're going to do it. Since I had an opportunity to live in Rome for a couple of years and study there, you know, when you live there and study there, you come to know the church in Rome and all of its charm and history in a very special way. So whenever I've led tours there, the pilgrims on the tour can be guaranteed of an experience that they will not get just through any normal, with all due respect, <laughs> any normal trip or tour to Rome. You'll get something very special and very personalized. And we're going to hear from one of the great, great figures of Eastern Orthodox theology, and that is Archbishop Callistus Timothy Ware. So again, October 21st to the 30th, 2014, the Orientale Lumen pilgrimage to Rome and Istanbul with myself and also a good friend, Jack Fiegel. Now, information The actual information for registration, prices, and the details of the trip will be coming out very, very soon. And also where to go to register to find out more information, the websites, and so on. That will all be forthcoming. I just want you to mark your calendars and start saving up now. October 21st through the 30th of this year, 2014, Rome and Istanbul. The church like you've never seen or experienced it before. You'll be a changed person, I guarantee you. Even if you've been there before, come on this trip. I really, really would like to see it join me. Speaking of the great modern-day figure of Archbishop Callistus Timothy Ware, as always this time of year, we love to go back into one of his classic books. As I mentioned, today is the feast day. Today is the Sunday of the public and the Pharisee, one of the preparatory days leading up to the great season of Lent. And if we look at Timothy Ware's book, in fact, he co-authored it with Mother Mary, and it's a real classic. In fact, my book is all worn out. You probably hear the pages crumbling as I turn them. But we go to the section in which Archbishop Timothy Ware writes about the Sunday of the public and the Pharisee. And I'm going to read it because his, his work is so great. On this and the following two Sundays, the theme is repentance. Repentance is a door through which we enter Lent, the starting point of our journey to Pascha. And to repent signifies far more than self-pity or futile regret over things done in the past. The Greek term metanoia means change of mind. To repent is to be renewed, to be transformed in our inward viewpoint, to attain a fresh way of looking at our relationship to God and to others. The fault of the Pharisee is that he has no desire to change his outlook. He is complacent, self-satisfied, and so he allows no place for God to act within him. Now, the public, on the other hand, truly longs for a change of mind. He is self-dissatisfied, poor in spirit, Where there is the saving self-dissatisfaction, there is room for God to act. Unless we learn the secret of the publican's inward poverty, we shall not share in the Lenten springtime. The theme of the day can be summed up in the saying of the Desert Fathers, Better a man who has sinned, if he knows that he has sinned and repents, than a man who has not sinned and thinks of himself as righteous. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya on this Sunday of the Publica and the Pharisee, that great gospel of repentance. Now, what was interesting about what I read from this classic book, the Lenten Triodian by Archbishop Timothy Callistus Ware and Mother Mary. One of the things I liked a lot about the passage I read, where he, he's describing, giving a little spiritual meditation on this theme of this Sunday, is it was so much about inner vision. In other words, seeing from the inside out. That's a favorite theme of mine, personally, and in relation to Eastern spirituality. But actually, the spirituality of the whole church, East and West, because it's fundamentally about a sacramental ethos. In other words, how to see from the inside out. As Callistus Ware said, the publican was blessed because he could see clearly his own sinfulness. And he saw from the inside out. He wasn't external in his observance and his relationship with God. It was from the heart, from inside. And you notice whenever Jesus would speak, he would always speak to the heart. He would talk about going to the heart. And the heart means that deepest interior part of us. It doesn't mean just a feeling. It's much deeper than that. It, it's the center of, of who we are as a person. And Jesus said that faith in him and love for God has to start and, and emanate out from inside, from, from the heart. Where our heart is, that's where your treasure will be. You know, you, the, the external observances, how we manifest ourselves, our inner selves, is all dependent upon what's going on deep inside of us. So this 
gospel story of the public and the Pharisee takes us inside into the heart of two different people. One of them, their vision, their interior vision was the right kind. It was in the right place. It had the right orientation. The other one, well, he had some things right. You know, we don't totally condemn the Pharisee. Sometimes he comes off as a totally, total bad guy. Well, he just didn't quite get it. It goes deeper than that. It's like, okay, you observe the rules, but love is not about a relationship of rules. Let's face it. Some of you are married. Let's say if you are a man listening, you're a husband. Do you need a rule? Do you need a law and the enforcement of that law not to hit your wife? No, of course not. You're probably laughing. That's ridiculous, right? You don't need a law not to do that. You don't hit her because you don't want to. It's not an external observance that restrains you from hitting your wife. It's what's inside your heart, how you see her, how you value her, that you don't want to hurt her. You don't need a law to tell you not to. Now, the law exists and exists for people whose hearts are not in the right place. The law exists to help people, actually, to get their heart in the right place. The law is not just there to trip us up and to punish us. It's there to exert a certain external pressure or guidance or framework or boundary so that our heart can be developed and our vision corrected. So that's what it's all about in in spirituality, in particular the Eastern spirituality. It's a very, very interior, inside-out kind of spirituality. But it manifests itself, expresses itself in many, many glorious ways. As I always say, part of the genius of the Eastern spirituality that we present here on Light of the East is that it is very good at expressing what is on the inside. Now, the Latin rite, the West Long of the Church, is very good as well. And they have their own ways of doing it as well. But in the East, it's kind of a kind of a particular genius, I would say. That's why we have a lot of stuff in our liturgy, <laughs> in our expressions. We wear a lot of stuff. We express our interior faith and spirituality in many intricate ways. Lots of things that appeal to the senses. We wear a lot of things. We wear crosses. We wear all kinds of vestments and things that seem to be too big for us and all kinds of what people might call fancy things. So there's a very elaborate expression, but that expression is all about not the externals, as impressive as they are, but what's inside, in the heart. That when we pray this Sunday, the public and the Pharisee, as always, we get a glimpse into the theme and the meaning of it all by looking into the text of the liturgy. And let's look at a couple passages here today for the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee thought to drive swiftly in the chariot of the virtues, but the publican outran him on foot, for he had yoked humility with compassion. The publican and the Pharisee ran the race of life together, but the one was overcome by foolish pride and brought to shameful shipwreck, while the other was saved by humility. Changing to a righteous course of life, let us emulate the wisdom of the publican and flee from the hateful conceit of the Pharisee, and so let us attain to life. Oh, you faithful, let us increase in zeal and meekness, and let us pass our days in humility with cries of sorrow from our heart and weeping and prayer that we may receive forgiveness from God. Now, these texts are largely, the ones I read, are largely from the Matin service for this Sunday, the publican and the Pharisee. Now, we have several Sundays of preparation, but this is our Sunday today. Last Sunday, it was Zacchaeus, and that was the first one that kind of is the warning sign of the oncoming, kind of the prophetic gospel sign of the oncoming of the great Lent. 
So we have this beautiful rhythm which we move into the rigors of Lent and we will move out of them and then come to the climactic moment, of course, of the great week, Passion Week, the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord. But in the meantime, we're warming up, got this very elaborate warm-up period, which is very, very helpful and very healthy for the spiritual life. Now, you notice we're talking all about humility and the interior dimension and ethos, the vision of the heart. And on our program, Light of the East, we try to communicate from our heart the hearts of the church or the two lungs of the church. In other words, what the church is like from the inside out, particularly the Eastern church. And one of the things that we try to communicate here in this program is the beauty of the two lungs breathing together, of the two hearts, the vision of the two hearts, east and west, how we see things. We arrive at the same point. We're looking at the same God. We're encountering the same Christ, but in our complementary ways. Now, recently, there was a complementary action on the part of the Western church towards the Eastern church, which I have to point out and commend. And it comes from Cardinal Timothy Dolan, the Archbishop of New York. In recent weeks, there has been a great crisis in Ukraine, which as of the recording of this program today has improved. There's been great progress in that, thanks to the great witness, the courageous witness of largely Eastern Catholic Ukrainians in Ukraine, young ones, young people. We've had stories of priests and seminarians standing between loaded guns of the soldiers of the government, the corrupt government there, and the innocent, prayerfully protesting young people. These priests were hearing confessions in the town square in Kiev as the protesters stood their ground. And they were praying for their oppressors. And they were trying to, as we would say in our American sort of colloquial way of speaking, nip it in the bud. And trying to nip in the bud, they were attempting to nip in the bud what was a potential throwback a revisiting of the communist era, of dictatorship and tyranny. And so these young people stood their ground. And the church was very much at the center of this. In fact, the Ukrainian Catholic University in Kiev was threatened by the government. They would close it down because they knew that the people coming from that university, their minds, and again, we look at their hearts, their interior lives, their, their, their hearts, their vision from the inside out was being formed so well at that university. Not just head knowledge, but formation of their heart, that these people, the government knew that the students from this university were at the core of this protest. And it was a protest for justice, for truth. It was a protest against encroachment upon human rights and dignity, peacefully and prayerfully. But they did it. And the government, the corrupt government, with its weapons of guns and bullets, yielded to the weapons of prayer and virtue. Cardinal Archbishop Timothy Dolan wrote this, and this is what I commend him for. And again, it's a great example of the beauty of the two lungs breathing together in the church. January 23rd, 2014, along with many others in the New York community, I am following the somber situation in Ukraine with growing alarm. Last August, I was honored to be part of the dedication of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church's Resurrection Cathedral in Kiev and was in awe at the youth and vitality of a church that had been starved, jackbooted, imprisoned, tortured, and persecuted and martyred by Hitler, Stalin, and company. With thousands of others, I praise God for an apparent new springtime where democracy, human rights, and religious freedom were in bloom in Ukraine. Those high summer hopes have now turned as cold as this New York winter day. 
what began as inspirational, prayerful, peaceful, powerful protests dubbed the Euromaidan movement, characterized by prayer and song led by Jewish, Orthodox, and Catholic clergy, has turned brutal and nasty, with government thugs relishing the chance to bludgeon and harass the hundreds of thousands of patriotic Ukrainians and oppressive laws quickly passed to suppress freedoms. Two men I deeply admire, the Metropolitan Archbishop of Kiev, the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church, his beatitude, Sviatoslav Shevchuk, and Bishop Boris Gudziak, one of the founders of the promising Catholic University of Ukraine, keep in touch. They've been leaders urging peace and restraint, while prophetic on behalf of human dignity, civil rights, and the place of religion in the reconstruction and renewal of Ukraine. They are near tears and look in vain for allies in their noble cause. We Catholics in the United States cannot let these brave Ukrainians whose allegiances to their religious convictions have survived dungeon, fire, and sword languish. They deserve our voices and our prayers, nor can we as American citizens fail them as we call for a government to stand with them. Again, this was a letter by Cardinal Timothy Dolan, Archbishop of New York, during some of the worst moments of this protest. Since this letter, though, there have been improvements, but we all remain vigilant and prayerful to see what happens next. I want to thank Cardinal Timothy Dolan for his concern and his example of how the two lungs of the church breathe together east and west. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>